Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hey, everyone. I'm Julie Gunlock, director of the Culture of Alarmism Project at the Independent Women's Forum and your host for today's Working for Women podcast. Today, I'm here to talk about IWF's annual Women Lead Summit, which will be held on Thursday, June 2nd in Washington, D.C. If you're interested in attending the event, go to IWF.org and click on the Events button at the top of the page. You'll find all the details there and can also RSVP. We're going to have a number of really interesting panels as well as solo speakers to talk about women, the workplace, the character of the political leadership in this country, which is a hot topic, the future of the Supreme Court, and if that's not interesting enough, I will be moderating a panel on the culture of alarmism. I've talked about this issue on several other podcasts, but for those new to this issue, the culture of alarmism is that constant drumbeat that danger lurks around every corner and that the only thing that's going to save us is bigger government. That narrative has saturated our culture. We see it on TV, in magazines, newspapers, online, on social media platforms, and of course, a number of Hollywood actresses and entertainers have gotten in on this trend spouting off about health and wellness issues and shaming moms for trying to save money at the grocery store. IWF really works to correct this narrative, to remind women of the real data that shows we live in a great day and age where we're safer, healthier, and have greater access to medicine, education, and technology than ever before. So joining me today is one of my fellow panelists for the Women Lead Summit, Julie Kelly, who's a food and agricultural writer from Orland Park, Illinois. Julie, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me. Hi, Julie. Thanks for having me. You know, you write a lot about what I just described as the culture of alarmism. You write a lot about GMOs, which we'll get into. But sometimes when I'm talking about this issue, people kind of give me a funny look. They say, you know, what the heck is is culture of alarmism? Now, I defined it earlier. But one of the best ways, and I think you'd probably agree with this, I think one of the best ways to define it is to read some of the headlines that people are seeing every day when they open their newspapers. Well, I don't, do people even open newspapers anymore? I don't know. If they, when they go online, when they, you know, when they, when they open their computer and they turn it on and they check out the latest news. So I keep a list of headlines that I think are hilarious. Um, but it's kind of sad because they're, they're only funny because of how scary they are. But now I know they're not scary, but I think a lot of people are probably fooled by these headlines. We just want to read a few of these. Um, that I've collected, okay, and, and kind of get your thoughts. So um, I've got about five of them here to write. Arsenic in apple juice. New report suggests widespread exposure. Your hand lotion is making you fat. GMOs, the ultimate killing machine. Multiple carcinogens found in baby shampoo. 100 ways you are failing as a parent. Only 100. And my absolute favorite Eating chicken on the bone makes kids more aggressive. So that's, that's just a few of the, of, of the headlines that I've collected. And there, I mean, there's more this morning. You can go on any outlet and see a number of terrifying headlines out there that are scaring everyone. Um, so give us your thoughts on that. What do you think? How do you think parents react to this? And do you think that, you know, how do we sort of push back on this, this cultural narrative? You know, it it's hard to um, 
to pinpoint it, obviously a lot of it is marketing, um, and we can probably get into that, especially with the GMO issue. Um, but all of this is made to either meet some kind of political or ideological agenda or to market their own products. Um, but it's, you know, my kids are a little bit older now, but looking back when they were newborns or small, you know, even young kids, you're worried about when you start to feed them, you start exposing them to certain things in the world. Um, and so I think young mothers are, are really vulnerable. And a lot of these yeah. companies or environmental organizations are, are trying to capitalize on that. And it's really unfortunate because it's scary enough to be a parent without seeing those alarming headlines every day. Yeah, you know, you write a lot on GMOs, and this is genetically modified ingredients, or, or, or organisms, rather. Um, and there's a lot of misinformation about GMOs. Jimmy Kimmel did this great uh, piece where he, he went, it was sort of a man-on-the-street interview and asking people, what is a GMO? But before he asked them what it was, he asked them if they were opposed to it. And they, many of them were, but they couldn't define GMO. They didn't even know what it was or the process or what it involved. Um, we're going to be talking about this on the panel, and I think people are curious about it. What is, can you just say, give us the answer. What is a GMO? That's a great question. A GMO is a byproduct of a genetically modified or genetically engineered plant or crop. So here in the U.S., almost all of the corn, soybeans, cotton are uh, from a genetically modified plant. Now, I know that sounds scary, but it's either designed to tolerate herbicides and an herbicide, or it's designed to create its own pesticides. You have to spray as many pesticides. And then, so let's say it, this is another one, almost all sugar beets, which I really didn't even know sugar beets existed, um, but it's a vegetable <laughs> that produces almost more than half of the sugar that we have, that we use our supply in the U.S. right now. Um, so any ingredient that comes from those crops would technically be a GMO. So say cornstarch or sugar, for example, or cottonseed oil, that would be a GMO. There's also a genetically engineered um, and cheese, it's called rennet, and it, it is in almost all of hard cheeses. Uh, there are vitamins that are genetically engineered. Um, so that just means that they're created, you know, they don't just grow out of the ground as is, but... It's, but they can, nothing also, they, 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 they can also turn off genes. So, for instance, there's this new product in the marketplace called the Arctic Apple. And it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I will cut, you know, I buy these apples at the grocery store. My kids, you know, they'll take three or four bites, and then they'll put the apple down, and they'll go play. And then they'll come back an hour later, and they won't eat the apple because the apple's turned brown, which is annoying. Now, I try to eat the rest of the apple, but I don't always want the apple, so I wrap it up and I put it in the fridge. But, you know, inevitably, this apple gets thrown away. Um, So this company has created this Arctic apple where they are able to shut off the gene, the the very thing in the apple that creates browning, that it's it's oxidizes. Mm -hmm. So they're able to shut that off. So now you have apples that don't brown. And so kids will leave for an hour, come back, and their apple looks exactly the same. Um, this is great technology, and, and it'll, cu- it'll cut down waste in my own children's apples. Imagine what it can do on a, on a, on a large scale. It is, and actually that company is also testing out other products like pears and cherries. You know, I'm looking at an avocado last week that I bought, and if you don't use it right away, 
right. you know, the timing for an avocado has has to be perfect. I was looking at bananas that I bought. And there's two that are brown. My kids are not going to eat it. And quite frankly, I'm not either. And so right. if we can identify those genes that cause that internal process, that those chemical reactions, and you can either tweak those genes or shut them off, it's not going to harm. It, it's not going to completely transform the plant or the vegetable or fruit as it is. It, is, it has tremendous potential. Here's the thing, Julie. Women are being insulted by food companies. They're being insulted by environmental groups. And we have to wake up and start letting women know, moms like us, we are being insulted and we are being exploited. These companies are targeting us because they know that we're easily scared about everything that our kid does or eats uh, or exposes themselves to in, in chemicals or um so we have to we have to start standing up and saying that we are not going to be insulted by food executives who think that we're so stupid that everything we expose our kids to is going to give them autism or ADHD or cancer, which a lot of them, not a lot, there are a few, let me correct myself, a few who are really trying to promote that fear. And, um, yeah. you know, you do, you do great work in trying to expose that, but we need to do more of it. Yeah, it's really frustrating. You know, I, I, I don't understand why a lot of these companies also are caving to these activists. There is a very um, a small but very loud minority of moms who are nervous wrecks. And, um, and you know, they, and, and there is a majority of mothers who kind of have a healthy skepticism about this stuff. They, they look at people like the food babe and other activists and say, I don't, I really don't know if this is true. And so, you know, what's so frustrating is when, when you have activists pressuring these companies and then the companies cave. Um, you know, we had an example of that. General Mills, uh, a couple years ago, took out GMOs mm-hmm. out of one of their cereals. And, um, mm-hmm. and you know, you imagine that, that this company, General Mills, thought, oh, goodness, we're going to get so much love from these anti-GMO activists. They're going to praise us, um, and they're just going to love us. And what happened? The second they, um, G- you know, General Mills announced this, uh, the activist's response was, well, if you can take it out of one of your cereal brands, why can't you take it out of all of your food uh, products? Yep. And so they're never mm-hmm. satisfied. Caving to these, to these activists never results in a win for these companies, and yet we continue to see it, and they deny the science. The science is on their side, um, and they continue to deny it. So I think it's very frustrating, particularly for people like you and me who write about this stuff and try to reassure moms, and then we see companies sort of roll over. Well, in the, I've seen quite a few companies doing that over the last few months, particularly with GMOs. Now, let's talk about General Mills. When they got rid of GMO ingredients, what did they get rid of? Vitamins. They right. got rid of vitamins in their cereals that were genetically engineered. So right. now so you're they're buying actually, cereals they're not that aren't fortified. Exactly. Right. So they're less nutritious. Um, But the activists don't care. Um, I'm seeing this with other companies. Hershey's is another one I've written about. They have um, caved into a two-year campaign by an organic and environmental group um, to replace sugar beet sugar with cane sugar. Now, what does that mean? Now, the sugar is exactly the same. At the end end of the process, you can't tell the difference between cane or beet sugar. But sugar beets are grown here in the U.S. Cane sugar is going to have to be imported. 
And now they're talking about higher prices for cane sugar because these companies want to reformulate their products, get rid of sugars that's grown here in the U.S., environmentally safer than sugar cane, import it from other countries. We don't know what their environmental standards are for exactly the same product. It's ridiculous. And these companies are caving and it's really outrageous. Talk to us a little bit about the environmental benefits that come with growing GMO crops. You know, we often hear uh, these are, you know, you've got Greenpeace and other sort of well-known environmental groups rallying against um, GMOs, and there are some exceptions to that. You, for instance, work a lot, work very closely with some environmental groups that are are pro-GMO and and pro-technology, and so you can talk a little bit about that. But I also want to, I want to hear a little bit about, you know, if you are indeed, if you're listening to this podcast and you are indeed very concerned about the environment and, and, and you are concerned about sustainability, tell the listeners a little bit about why uh, growing GMO crops is actually good for the environment. Well, there are several reasons. And actually, Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack just testified to this a few months ago, um, the benefit of biotechnology in our agricultural uh, system, it really has reduced pesticide use because these crops are innately create their own pesticide. So it's reduced that. The crops, the plants that are herbicide tolerant um, also cut down on tillage. So a lot of the crops can be no-till. So that means not disrupting the soil, not of releasing more carbon, and they just require, uh, there's higher yields because you're cutting down on weeds. There's higher yields and um, using less resources like water. The Sugar Beet Association identified 25 environmental benefits of growing genetically modified sugar beets versus how they did it 10 years ago just conventional seeds. And my thing, Julie, is I believe the scientists, I've met with scientists, I and they're very dedicated to what they're doing. But I will always go back to a farmer. You know, these farms have been in their yeah. families for generations. They care. They are good stewards of their land. This is their livelihood. Their families live there. If they are going to select a seed that is better for their their family economically, but also better for their farm, environmentally, that's what they're going to choose. And that's why farmers are planting these crops, uh, because they have so many benefits. It's really astonishing how farmers are treated in this country now, just treated Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. they are the worst abusers of the earth. Farmers, you know, if it, I mean, it really is awful, but it's kind of interesting, too, from an economic standpoint. I mean, if you just look at this from a purely, not, not sort of like, you know, if we take away sort of the emotion of those, those claims, um, which are really, really terrible, um, you know, you look at it from an economic standpoint, uh, of course the farmer does not want to destroy the earth. That's how he makes money. Like, if we're going to boil this down to, to you know, how, right. how people sustain themselves, um, you know, they have a product. It's like, you know, you think of a of a um, of a truck driver. You know, they oftentimes you see these rigs on the highway, and they are beautiful. They're so shiny, and it's because these these truckers, you know, they many of them own their own rigs, and so they they really take good care of them because that's how they make money is off this vehicle. Well, it's the same thing. I mean, and that's true of anything. But it's the same thing with um, with farmers. You know, they they own this land. They need to care for this land because. If they don't, they won't get any crops. And so if they abuse the land, the land will not be good to them. And so, um, so I find it such a logical fallacy, yet it is repeated so much um, by, again, by sort of these environmental groups um, who have set up farmers as, as being sort of this 
environmental catastrophe. It's really amazing, and particularly for me, you know, I grew up in Illinois. I grew up in farm country. Um, farmers were revered. We've seen a real cultural shift at, um, these days. I'm glad to see some farmers are pushing back in farmer wives um, and writers like you, but it is troubling to see farmers kind of treated this way. Well, it is, and actually I've called out, I'm questioning some of these agricultural groups, the farm bureaus, why they are not standing up to these companies. Dannon is another one, Dannon Yogurt, who had this big sustainability a sustainability pledge that they announced a week or so ago where they're eliminating GMO ingredients and they're going to try to source non-GMO animal feed for the dairy cows. What does that mean? Here's what that means, uh, people who are listening. That means that grain is going to be imported and it's going to be imported from places like China and India and Romania. So you're telling me that a consumer should trust soybeans from India more than you're going to trust soybeans from Indiana, that makes no sense. And I think the farm organizations, the agricultural companies and ag groups need to start standing up and challenging these companies when they come out with these claims. They really do. And, you know, one of the problems that we're seeing, too, though, and I want you to talk a little bit about this, is many of these companies gobble up smaller organic companies. So many of these you know, companies also, you know, part, I think part of the reason that they sort of join in with the fear-mongering is because they do, they, many of them own organic sort of, you know, smaller organic sectors. Um, you know, you've got a lot of sort of the big food companies that are slammed by environmental groups, but then these big food companies actually own organic subsidiaries. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's kind of an odd situation here where they are they slam one part of their business in order to promote another part of their business. Um, so I think I think consumers are left with this sort of schizophrenia. They don't know what's good, what's bad, you know, what what thing they should be buying, what's safe. Um, and again, then you have companies who, for instance, take GMOs out of one of their products. What does that tell the consumer about the rest of their products? Um, so, right. you know, I, I think consumers are really left at a disadvantage. You know, what, Ma, what we're finding, and IWF has done some polling on this, is women are not overwhelmed because of lack of information. They're overwhelmed because there's so much, and they can't quite tell mm-hmm. what's a good source of information um, as opposed to a bad source. And companies aren't helping here. They're not standing up for their products. Um, they're not standing up for, for science or the research and development that they've put into, the billions of dollars of research and development that they put into their products to ensure they're safe. So, uh, you know, it really leaves consumers at a, a significant disadvantage when they're in the grocery store. Well, it, it, it does. And, you know, a lot of this is, as you pointed out, driven by organic companies. Um, organic farm farming is only about 2%, not even, of total farmland in the United States. Why is that? Because it's very labor intensive. Um, the yields are not as good as conventional, certainly not even close to as good as genetically engineered crops. Um, they still do use pesticides and herbicides, just so everyone knows there are organic farm inputs that are needed, even if they are natural. They can still be as toxic as, as synthetic farm inputs. Um, so I want to in- Julie, if I can back up on that, just I want to make that point mm-hmm. very clear. What Julie just said is, if you buy, and Julie and I sort of follow this, why, why do people buy organic? Well, a lot of people say they buy organic because they want to avoid pesticides. So Julie was just making mm-hmm. a point that if you are, try, if you are buying okay. organic because you want to avoid pesticide, pesticides, um, you are gravely mistaken because 
because mm-hmm. organic produce is grown with the aid of pesticides. They are just a different class. So go to FDA, and, and I've written about this. So there's, mm-hmm. there's links in the things that I've written about, and certainly Julie has written about this as well, is that the FDA has a long list, a very long list of approved organic pesticides. So again, if you think that you're going to avoid this stuff, you know, the Environmental Working Group every year puts out the Dirty Dozen list, which is the biggest Mm -hmm. lie out there. All it Mm -hmm. does is encourage people to waste their money on expensive Mm -hmm. organic produce. So again, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Julie, but I really wanted to make that clear to people that if you are, if that's the reason you are spending three times, four times as much on strawberries and milk and other things and eggs, um, you've, you, you're, really, you're really throwing your money away. I think it's so important that consumers realize that they're being lied to. You know, I was at my grocery store. I have to tell you, it's so, it's just not fun to go grocery shopping anymore. Because I know. <laughs> you, you probably feel this way too. It's just, I do. You know, you see the, I do. The, yeah, the non-GMO <laughs> label, and then you see, you know, it's just frustrating. I should just go online, and I just keep taking companies off of my list that I'm going to buy. Me Pretty too. soon we're just... We're not going to be eating anything. Um, but I was at my grocery store, a new one that I love, and you see the organic section, and there's a big banner over it that says organic grown without pesticides. Ugh. And I thought, you know, I, you are t- either the company doesn't know, the grocery store doesn't know, but or they're, that's just part of their promotional uh, marketing. I was at Costco. There's 18 ounces of organic blueberries for $10. Now think about that, 18 ounces, and half of them probably your kids wouldn't even eat because they're not exactly perfect. And um, so, but that's why the organic companies have to promote fear on the other side, because it's the only really way that they can push their products. I have no problem if you're an organic farmer, more power to you. If you think that that's better for the environment or makes you feel better, that's fine. The organic marketing, the organic industry is really, uh, really misleading consumers. And it's really frustrating that even the federal government is not stepping in and having them back off of some of their claims. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And Julie, are you like me? Have you ever gotten in a fight with your produce department, the head of your produce department? Because I do. I I am like one of those crazy women who goes into the produce department and says, this isn't true. This, this sign that you put here, this isn't true. They avoid me. They, like, run in the back now when I come in the store. <laughs> Actually, it's I, worse for my kids. They refuse to go shopping with me anymore. And we then, went to the new grocery store that I, I was so excited was opening here in Chicago area, Mariano's. And my youngest daughter said, Mom, please, if they said that they were going GMO-free, please don't say anything. Don't, don't embarrass anything. me. <laughs> Although I do like, I will, I will say one thing that I like to do, which is a little less provocative and a little less sort of crazy lady, uh, is I do, I do specifically go up to the produce, whoever's working there, and say, where is your non-organic, and then I fill in the blank, apples, peaches, whatever, and, um, and to let them know I am a consumer who's looking for non-organic. I want them to hear the words non-organic and then I always sort of make some passing comment like oh my gosh who wastes their money you know so I I try to sort of at least for my for my local people you know and um, I I always try to explain to them that I'm a consumer who's looking for affordability Um, and you know I think you and I would would agree and I I think this will be the last thing that I say and we can talk about but you know I don't really care about the wealthy mom who I see at school pickup in my nice comfortable neighborhood who 
gets her kids and then runs off to Whole Foods to buy an eight dollar pint of milk. Okay, I don't I don't mm-hmm. worry about this woman. She has money to burn. But I do worry about and look. Let's let's be honest here. This economy is still in the you know it's still kind of mm-hmm. limping along here. Wages have stagnated in this country, mm-hmm. and there's very little job growth. And so I worry about those people, people who are really struggling in this economy. I worry about people that are at or under the poverty line that see these stories, that hear Gwyneth Paltrow saying, it's all easy, mm-hmm. right? Of course, it's easy. I've got a, you know, a, a staff of dozens and a, you know, four, 14 homes and regular vacations. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, I worry about these women who hear this stuff and think, oh, goodness, am I harming my child? And then take their scarce resources and spend it on unnecessarily on healthy food um, at a higher price. Um, so I, th- mm-hmm. I think that's who we are trying to target when we write about these things. Look, our neighbors who have the money to spend on this stuff, I don't care. Fine, waste your money. But I do worry sure. about that demographic of women who struggle. Yes, and I also worry about women who, with children who have allergies, who have um, ADHD, who have autism, who have some real um, health problems, and they're being told that it's caused by pesticides oh, yeah. or herbicides or genetically modified food or yeah. whatever they're eating, which there's no connection. And they are really being exploited because, as we've talked about, when you have a child that has any kind of issue, you're going to look for some answer, some cause. And, um, you know, I, I think that's the way that they're trying to convince moms that this is the reason why. So they can sell their own product. Uh, it's really shameful. Yeah, I agree. And, um I, you know, it's not just mo- mothers of children. You know, you have horrible things coming out of some of these Hollywood entertainers' mouths. You know, Alicia Silverstone comes to mind. Um, she actually said that uh, she claimed that tampons can cause infertility because of the potential pesticide, pesticide residues from non-organic cotton. And, and this is this is this is I, I mean honestly I think this is one of the worst things I've ever read. She said that postpartum depression and miscarriages are caused by eating too much processed foods. I mean, what a horrible, <laughs> horrible person. I mean, anybody it's who awful. has suffered, anybody yep. who has suffered from infertility or has suffered from mm-hmm. miscarriage, it is yep. the deepest kind of despair. And to suggest yeah. that you've done it because you had Doritos or a bowl of popcorn at the movies. I mean, what a horrible, yep. immoral statement. And yet, this is this is all out there all the time, all the time. Um, these people with these big megaphones, you know, they go on these shows like The View and Dr. Oz and whatever, and these daytime, these morning shows, because they're all very photogenic and they're all very good in front of the camera. And they go on these and they they make these completely ridiculous statements, and women believe it, and then they change their their shopping habits, they change their consumer habits. Activists know this. They get it. They understand if you scare people. That is why fear is such a powerful weapon. And frankly, it is a weapon most often wielded by the left because the ultimate Mm -hmm. solution that they they suggest will save us all is government growth. And so we see this connection all the time. But I think the messages women are getting are really harmful. They lead to, to some pretty scary regulations, but they also hit women in their own pocketbooks. And so, Julie, I, I love having you on 
I, I love all that you write. Um, Julie, why don't you, you tell people where they can find your writing? Oh, thanks, Julie. Um, God, I know I need like one central place. So <laughs> I, um, <laughs> um, I do, uh, you know, you can find me on Twitter at Julie uh, underscore Kelly too. Um, I write for National Review. I have quite it. So National Review Online. Um, I've been in the Wall Street Journal, uh, Genetic Literacy Project, uh, Huffington Post. So I, you know, I've got stuff kind of posted all over the place. Um, well, uh, someone not needs to, brag, to start their own I website. I don't have like a, a central <laughs> page. Yes, I am working on that. Well, just so your listeners know, I've, I've just been at this for the past year, and it's really, as you know, Julie, and you've done such great work, too, and you've been so supportive. I really appreciate it. Um, I've just been at this for the past year, and it's just kind of taken off because, Julie, there aren't voices like yours and mine who are talking yeah, on the other side and saying, yeah. don't worry so much. You know, this, this, is, this, this has benefits to all of us. Well, if you've only um, been at it a year, that is incredibly impressive because you are very well known in the space. And I will tell you, we are just thrilled that Julie um, joined us on the podcast today, but also that you are joining us again for the Women Lead Summit um, on Mm -hmm. Thursday, June 2nd. Again, for our listeners, if you're interested in going to the event, go to IWF.org, click on the events button at the top of the page, and you'll find all the details. And again, you can RSVP. But Julie and I will be on a panel um, it is going to be um, uh, joining us on that panel will be Cam, uh, Cam Edwards, who's the host of um, Cam and Company on NRA News. So it is going to be a fun, fun panel, a lot of laughs. We're going to try to probably laugh and cry a little at the, you know, the sort of state of, of hysteria in America, but it's going to be a fun panel. And again, I'm, I'm thrilled you're going to be on it. Thanks so much for joining me, and I can't wait oh, to see you next you. month. I know. Same. Thanks so much for including me. Well, thanks again, Julie. This has been another episode of the Working for Women podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by IWF.org for similar content.